hello, old friend. How have you been? Is it just me, or our shadow and indigo, the distant vibrant life of the blue and the noosphere, all blurred lately? As though this whole section of the path is under reconstruction by Vizsla himself? Time. Time has always moved in strange ways in the actuality, but never more so than now. I've been remembering past trips to the Grey with greater clarity of late. Conversations with shadows who seem sentient, whose thoughts seem to carry vitality and truth in them. I'm not sure what that means. I'm sorry, you haven't come here for philosophy, have you? Just nostalgia, of course. Well, what are you drinking tonight? If you are, like me, a human who has visited Gen Con in Indianapolis in the past, your weekend has probably been, like mine, filled with a strange, melancholic sort of remembering. On the one hand, surreal, now claustrophobic memories of a distant reality in which you were constantly far fewer than six feet away from far more humans than perhaps you've seen in total since March. It's an odd sensation. On the other hand, there is possibly something else, too. My primary emotion this weekend has been saudade. Brazilian Portuguese has this word, saudade, that we don't quite have in English. It means you miss something, but it has a deeper resonance than that. It's an aching, maybe a longing, for something you've known and loved. But it's bittersweet also. Beneath it lies a tacit, maybe dread-filled acknowledgement that the tender void you feel may never again be filled. That perhaps deep down, you know you should move on, but you don't want to let go of the sweetness of that sorrow. It's complicated. Although I know I will see my Gen Con friends again, we will find each other. I'm not sure that the experience of Gen Con, in the precise way that I've known it, or that you have, will ever happen again. This saddens me. So, I'd like to present a special episode of The Secret Cellar, recorded live one year ago at Gen Con 2019. This won't be the normal, polished, hyper-edited cellar episode you may be used to, but I don't think you'll be disappointed. I was incredibly fortunate to sit and talk last year with Ethan Schoonover, who has several illustrious careers rolled into one lifetime, but may be of most interest to this crowd as the man behind Hashtag D&D Girls, which chronicles his adventures running Dungeons & Dragons Club for a girls' middle school in Seattle. I'd like you to listen for something as Ethan talks. D&D, as an entity and as a culture, has issues, not the least of which is a distinct type of gatekeeping. Longtime players working incredibly hard to keep new players and new ideas away from the table. What I loved so much about this episode is the very intentional anti-gatekeeping you'll see on display. It's beautiful what can happen when a new group of players are empowered to make a game their own, and then draw others in. This episode of The Secret Cellar is brought to you by Gamers Giving, a 501c3 charity in the Denver area and online that raises money for gamers who have fallen on catastrophic circumstances and need a boost from this weird, lovely, vibrant community we keep. You can find them on Facebook at facebook.com gamersgiving, and I'll put a link in the show notes to a recent interview in the newspaper with board member Matthew DeMolanta, whom you can also listen to in episode 7. Thank you so much to Gamers Giving for the ongoing sponsorship of this show. Now, going to take you to the Grey Sun for Vizsla's Call. 
Ethan Schoonover, I have a, a loaded question for you. What are you, what are you drinking right now? Uh, Jason Robinson, I'm drinking um, a beautiful bottle of Nestle Pure Life, which is shocking because I see one in your hand as well. I'm also sitting here like yeah. two and a half feet from you drinking a bottle of Nestle Pure Life. Can I, can I set the scene for your listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is our first meeting. It's true. Um, we've, as we've never met before. No, we've we've not not prepared this magic trick ahead of time. Um, And we both own the, we're wearing the exact same like peak design uh, bag, camera bag. It's true. Right. Um, I would say we're about the same height. Yeah. It's true. Uh, Similar, similar glasses. Yeah. Lanky, lanky white dudes. Yeah. Very much so. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I asked Ethan to pull out, uh, you know, he mentions he has bottled water and I know that's also what I'm drinking. We both produce the bottled water at the same time. Yes, and it's Cheers. the same. Cheers, Cheers, by the way. Cheers. Pure life. Yep. <laughs> so this is your first Gen Con. This is my first Gen Con. Um, I am... We didn't really get a chance to talk about this ahead of time, but I am sort of new to the con scene as well. I really got into it after starting the D&D club at the school, mm-hmm. and just people... And I started paneling, basically. Sure. Like, that was how I started going to cons. Oh, sure. Um, Interesting. I am a card-carrying introvert. I have been for a long time. And just never really... Like, I, I play games at home. I play role-playing games at home on a table with people I know. Mm-hmm. And anything beyond that seems insane to me. So I... This has been a new... Like, I've had a great... You know, many great con experiences. Um, it's it's still something that I'm dipping my toes into and the way that I decided to dip my toes into Gen Con was to bring my entire family nice. and we're all like I just like threw them in I've now abandoned them they're like lost in the convention center I'm getting panicked texts um, so that yeah that's the, it's it's uh, the whole con thing is new to me yeah it's I'm, I'm now this is year three and so I'm like kind of okay now you know like yeah. I've, I've figured things out this is if you're an extrovert and listening to this i want you to mash the little skip 30 seconds button this is not for you um but <clears throat> if you're not an extrovert uh, and are like us in- introvert i just want to broadcast we're sitting in the what's yeah, the name of this place this where are we crown plaza crown, crown plaza the crown plaza has a little hotel that's just a little away from things and uh, has a nice little bar and generally even in the midst of the craziness of Gen Con has like a little quiet bubble around it. Yeah, there's like empty tables. Uh, and yeah. Great. So this is my favorite place to duck around a corner and have a moment to myself. Uh, okay, extroverts, come back. We love you too, but <laughs> don't fill this place up. <clears throat> um, so I'm excited to have you on. I, it Thank was you. funny when I, you know, started Googling you because I knew of you uh, in this context through hashtag D&D girls, right. which we're going to talk about. And then I Googled and I was like, oh, Ethan Schoonover. Oh, Solarized. Oh, oh, Omnigroup. Oh, so, you know, there's these. these yeah, they're, they're layers. Uh, Nestle Pure Life, right? Right. So, Peak Design. Peak Design. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, I have like a weird background um, and I've fallen into all this. Like, I, I've had a series of accidental careers, as I like to say. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, like I, I worked in software for a while. Uh, I worked in advertising before that. Um, I ran a photo, like I owned my own photo business and photo studio and like did editorial photography for big magazines in, in Asia. And during that time, like did designed color schemes and like yeah. open source software. Very cool. So, and, and then decided to go work for a school. Yeah. 
And sure, so for the past three years of my <laughs> life, that's what I've been doing. Um, I'm gonna, I, I, I'm not gonna work there next year, but I'm gonna keep running the D and D club there. Oh, you are. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're <laughs> like cool. the first panicked. I had many panicked messages after <laughs> I like submitted by like noticed everybody. Um, and it's been, you know, it's it's a happy parting for the right reasons at this sure. time. But um, you know, the first questions I had were like, <laughs> "You're gonna keep running D and D, right?" Um, and I, I can't refuse. So. so tell us then about. D&D club and what this means in the context of the school that you sure. were working at. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I took a director of tech position uh, at a girls' middle school in Seattle, and that was like a crazy, out-of-left-field uh, job career change for me, which overall was a very positive one. Um, and I had a little bit of experience, you know, working at schools, volunteering, teaching some programming classes, and I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll make a job out of this, see if, like, there's anything out there. And, you know, I have a pretty good background in, in tech. People, I got snatched up pretty quick by the school, and they were, like, very excited to, to have me run their computers. And they were like, would you like to teach at all? And I said, um, definitely not at first. I love teaching. Love teaching. And I've taught my parents about teachers. It's in the blood. Um, I, my parents, of course, being teachers, warned me away from it for years, which is why I had all these other careers. And uh, But I was like, you know, I don't have any time for that. i, I got to fix everything. got to fix it. Your computers are a mess. Right. And within the first six months, I was like teaching programming and doing some other stuff. So, <laughs> teachers after school, teach. yeah, teachers gonna teach. Um, that so that's fine. So I, they sort of saw me in action, cool. and I had enough kind of street cred as a you know teaching these these like after school programs and other and some um, uh, elective classes that they had that. I'm trying to remember exactly how it played out, but I, I, this is this is a 6th, 7th, 8th grade girls' middle school. So these are, you know, girls uh, in a very formative period, and they're, you know, they come in at six, in 6th sixth grade, and they're, they're kind of little kids still, and they leave in 8th grade, and they're really high schoolers. They're going into high school. It's such, yeah. such a transformative period. Um, and I remember I was talking with one of them. I was talking with one of the 6th graders, <laughs> about Stranger Things, right? So this yes. is, again, this is also an interesting thing. They have no, uh, you know, these, these kids don't know anything about Critical Role. They don't know anything about the resurgence of D&D. Um, for them, D&D is that game that Stranger Things, they play in Stranger Things. That's, I had not thought about that. Yeah, That's it's super interesting. a different wow. world. Wow. And part of it is maybe, I, you know, I don't know if they're like, is it they're not on YouTube in the same way we are? Maybe that's part of it. Sure. Um, hopefully they're not on YouTube as much as most people are. <laughs> um, I know I certainly restricted things for them, but they're just not aware of it. They're not, they were not aware of, of the game in that way. And so I was talking with her and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, we were talking about D&D in the show. And I was like, you know, I used to play D&D, and I, I thought a couple of times about starting a D&D club here. I thought it'd be fun, you know, we could play role-playing games. And that was it. Like, she was like, you know, her eye, she just, like, her eyes, I don't know if they narrowed or widened <laughs> at that point, but something happened. And she was in my office, like, every day, every morning she would come in and be like, what, when are we starting it? When oh are we gosh, starting the club? Oh my that's incredible. Yeah. And that's really cool. I've always credited her with, uh, with, with that. Yeah. Um, her first name is Sid. I'll just say that. I won't say anything else about sure, her. But sure. she's just a, a lovely human being. Thank you, Sid. Um, Wherever you. Are. Yeah, she. This is good. Yeah, good she work. really set the tone for the whole thing, and so she was tenacious about it. Um, and I'm trying to remember what happened. We had something go south on some other elective after-school activity, and they were a little desperate. They were like, "Hey, we need uh, we need to fill this gap." Um, do you want to, you know, you have anything in mind? You want to do coding? I was like, actually. <laughs> and this is where things get funny because 
you know, coding is an easy, if you talk about running a STEM after school mm-hmm. program, it's a really easy sell, sure. right? Everybody wants their kid in a STEM program. And I, I mean, you know, I'm right there. I love it. I'm a big believer. I love teaching coding. Yep. I have strong opinions about the right way to do it, but I, overall, <laughs> I think that is part of important. what makes you a coder. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. Right. And uh, so, you know, when I, but when I came back to them and I was like, actually what I want to do is run uh, D&D as an after school club. <laughs> like the first question I had, like absolutely out of the gate was, isn't that the devil worship game? After I got over that, which I'm like, I want to, I want to come back. To come that. back to that's that. A, please that's do. a fascinating. A, that's a big load, and it wasn't the last time I heard that. Oof. This is, by the way, in Seattle. Wow. Yeah, like far north. You know, liberal Seattle. Yeah. Still though, the legacy of the '80s. It's just amazing what that culturally kind of yeah. like that uh, just seeped in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. So that you know that was the first question. Second question was why aren't you teaching coding? Mm-hmm. Um, why aren't you you know uh, what value is this? Mm-hmm. Right. What is the value? You know, and it's so that you know, just again coming. Let's let's just take a moment to remember that we play sports in schools. Yes. We have chess clubs in schools. Yes. We have a lot of play. Yes. In schools of a certain type, right. and there are certain categories right. of play which are acceptable. Yes. Uh, and I and it's interesting oh. to me that story based play is still maybe not there yet in terms of general acceptance. Yep. Like why is it that narrative yep. and and the creation of narrative and the collect the collaborative play is not accepted in the same way that the um, highly competitive play is. Right. Or the super logical, like... Yeah, or the very know, rational, like, oh, but I, also, I by the way, but also stuff. competitive, right? So, whereas you have you're, chess, no, right? You're right. Oh, you're right. You know? oh. There are... Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm trying yeah. to think of, of other collaborative uh, types of play. When I was growing up, we did, uh, mm-hmm. like, Odyssey of the Mind, Olympics mm-hmm. of the Mind, um, which later on, there yep. was, like, Destination, Imagination. There's like, a bunch of yep. stuff like that that we did. And those were collaborative, like collaborative, competitive activities. Right. Um, or you've got the like the drama side of things. Yeah. Like you can do like improv and drama, but that's like for performance. Yeah, drama right? kids. It's, it's for. Were you a drama kid? I should have been a drama kid. I. This is where I start interviewing Jason. By the way, I'm taking over, <laughs> folks. Um, yeah, I should have been a drama kid too. I didn't have. We didn't have drama in my school. Yeah. Um, I wanted to play stringed instruments. We only had a brass band. I grew up in a very like sports-oriented town. It was like any <laughs> instrument that you can play in a football field, we will offer. <laughs> totally. um, and then yeah, no drama. So, hmm. but yeah, so that was how it started off. So I started off uh, running on Friday. You know, the only day available was Friday night. Mm-hmm. Is the worst if you're going to start a club in a school, do not start out on Friday night. Like really, I would be like, okay, when are the kids going to be like the most tired? <laughs> <laughs> and the most ready to walk out the door. Give me that night, please. Please, that's yeah. That's and what like I'll at the latest we'll point in the day, that. like when they are exhausted. <laughs> that's what I want them. Uh, and it is a testament to the club and the yeah. interest that yeah. it creates and generates that we are still going on Friday nights. Um, so that yeah. So we started off with I said I'll, I'll take four girls, and of course my you know that that initial girl was going to be one of them. And then, sure enough, like I had somebody else come in. They were like, really, really wanted to play, <laughs> really wanted to play. And I was like, okay, okay, five girls. That is it. Line in the sand. Uh, and then I had like a dad. One of the girls called me up, and he was like begging me to let his daughter into the club. And I was like, okay, six girls. And that was the initial six. Um, I was so panicked, Jason. I was like, yeah. did not know yeah. how I was going to run for six people. Like yeah. I'd only ever run for four people. 
yeah. in my life. Like yeah. growing up in the eighties, playing D and D, seventies and eighties, it was it was like often it was like me and my mm-hmm. friend Sammy, mm-hmm. and it was yeah. it. it was like two people. Yeah, you know? <laughs> totally. <laughs> so like running for four people seemed doable, yeah. six impossible. Yeah. And uh, so I, I did it. I ran it. Uh, I ran an amazing. Like honestly, if I say so myself, probably one of the best campaigns I've run. Because I was so stressed about it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah, you gotta not mess this yeah. up. Yeah. And. <laughs> Can't let's hit down. Let me just mention, though, like one of the other, and you just cut me off because I'll, I'll talk a lot about this, but one of the reasons that I wanted to, A, make it a really positive experience, and B, start the club, mm-hmm. was because I I had created some, like I talked it up, sure. this game, sure. and I, I could tell give, this girl give me, was so... Give me the, like, the elevator pitch when they came to you. We'll, we'll talk about the devil worship thing. Like, why what it but is. like, what is the value of this? Like, when they... What, oh, for the, yeah, for the up? families and for the for the yeah. the administration. Because um, that's what you have to live up to, ultimately, in a way, is like, now we're doing this thing, did it really have a value for this community? Right. And it, so the first, when I first did it, I didn't even call it D&D Club. Right. Like, I, I made some concessions there. But within a week, we called it D&D Club. Great. But when we were pitching it, yeah. I called it Swords, Stories, and Statistics. <laughs> and Great. Sure. So, you got some swords. Did, did you say you worked for a marketing? I did, yeah. I used to work in advertising. Yeah, you can tell there's a little bit of branding happening, right? Okay. And a nice alliterative name. Um, and who doesn't love statistics for their kids? Clearly. Right? Obviously. And who doesn't want to tell stories? But... So I called it that, and I emphasized, you know, I, I talked a little bit about, like, here's some famous people that have done it. Um, Dame Judy Dench, I think, was in the list. <laughs> I think she's played D&D. You know, like, just all the all the names, right, that we yeah, can yeah. use. And uh, I talked a little bit about that, talked about how it can foster, you know, creativity, creative problem solving, uh, collaboration. So that was really the initial. And, of course, I mentioned, you know, there's math involved. Yes. There's dice, you know, like, we have to calculate things. And I did build some of that in. You know, I did have sure. them calculate stuff. I mean, it's not the focus, but there is, it's tangentially yeah, there, right? It's, it, there's always opportunity to do some, some mathematics. So that was the pitch. Um, to the kids, it was a little different. To the kids, it was really focused. Like, most of them knew Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, one of them, I think, had played D&D before with their parent. And the, for the rest of them, they were like... Uh, one of them came in, and I remember doing this intake interview with them, and I was like... What does what do you know about D and D? What does it mean to you at this point, if anything at all? Like, you know, nope, nothing. Don't know. My dad told me I had to come play. That was the one. That was, the, by the way, that was the student whose dad called me to like really like you know like would you please take my daughter? <laughs> she like did not know what she was in for. So like funny. her dad was like totally a nerd. Yeah, and, like, totally. Yeah, he's like you're gonna do this thing. Oh, that's great. Um, great guy. And <laughs> Emma, this is my three year old daughter. Yeah. You're out there listening to this someday. Right. Got my eye on you. When D and D club comes around, well, I started with my kids, and they were. We'll talk about that too, but yeah, um, sure. You know that that so that was uh, that was my intake was you know like asking them you know what do you know, and another girl was like, well, this is my dad plays this game. Uh, you know, it's he's super nerdy. It's just not for me, but you know I'm here. Yeah. Um, one of the girls played, and 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 then it was a Stranger Things game. That was mm-hmm. it. Um, so, which was great for me too, because you know I, I do play in a little bit of an old school way. Mm-hmm. Um, I play a lot of dungeon crawl classics, mm-hmm. so I, I like that kind of that 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 taste, I guess. Yeah, I just played uh, two nights ago for the first time a DCC game run by James Walls and family. Oh, awesome! It yeah. was sure, it was James. it was so much fun. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, he's he's awesome, <laughs> uh, and his his daughters and daughter who was really stuck with uh, being a, a judge is amazing. Yeah. She was wonderful. Yeah. Um, oh, we'll have to play sometime. Uh, <laughs> 
So that and you know, I like so I play in that kind of old school way, and uh, I, I ran them through kind of a classic. I mean, you know, 5e, very modern in some regards, modern in terms of rules, but we went through all the classic tropes. Uh, you know, we were outside, there was, we were in a village. Um, mm-hmm. Right away, there's action. I didn't do any sort of, like, Session Zero stuff with them where they're doing background. Mm-hmm. I didn't have them build a character. Interesting. Um, we, we rolled up. Actually, for my first group, I had them roll 3d6. I was like, you're going to suffer, people. That's awesome. I walked to the school, you know, through like a foot of snow when I was a kid. You're going to roll 3D6. Um, I thought to, I didn't do that again. But they didn't mind. It was yeah. fine. Yeah. They loved yeah. it. It was really Absolutely. swingy. And yeah. Um, yeah, we had a, we had an, it was just like super, it was one of the best campaigns I've run. And they loved so it. And so, I, so, so to circle back on this, I, I was worried that I had talked it up so much. Right that they were going to go out to some friendly local game store and have an unfriendly experience. Oh, because... I know. It's right? heartbreaking. You can, it's I, still... It happens. I know. Absolutely, it does. So I, I, that was my big concern. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to, to short-circuit that uh, that possibility. Great. So I was like, okay, you're, I'm going to run this for you. Yeah. You're, you're going to have a great time. Great. My one goal mm-hmm. is not... I don't care if you learn the rules. Mm-hmm. Of course I want that. But I, I don't care about that. Right. What I care about is that you walk out of this club with a sense of ownership over the game. That's great. And the girl who told me that first day is my dad. My dad plays. It's his nerdy game. I don't care about it. At the end of it, she, I said, you know, you remember you said that? She's like, yeah. You know, at the beginning, I did feel like it was my dad's nerdy game. Now, at the end of the club, I feel like it's my nerdy game. And that that was it. My little nerdy heart is yeah. just... Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, it was that's so it was good. They were, they were, they, and so they call themselves still, they call themselves the OGs, the original gamers. And we have expanded the Friday Night Club from that, like the humble beginnings of six girls. Um, we ended out last year, in a school year, we had over 30 girls in the club. Um, I Multiple had, people running for... Oh, how, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is a whole other story and a whole other like, set of problems and sure, issues. Sure. Um, yeah. And I say, like, problems. They're problems you have to solve as yeah, an adult. Absolutely. How to keep kids in a good, safe, positive yes. space as a dungeon master for their peers. Yeah. Not easy to solve. No. It's Not almost good. easier for a kid to be a dungeon master mm-hmm. for grown-ups, other grown-ups. Mm. Yeah. than it is for them to be a dungeon master for their peers because there's a lot at stake and on the line that's, yeah. when they're a DM for their fellow students. Wow, that's really... Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, it's yeah. just like it opened up a whole different set of problems. That's fascinating, yeah. 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 Which I still, some of which I've solved, some of which I haven't, mm-hmm. and sure. hope to, I'll probably, I constantly iterate and change the way that I run those things. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, can I ask some just specific questions about yeah. like how these things get applied in the context of yeah. like yeah. a room full of middle schoolers yes. so like how does you know there's all these conversations about making sure everyone's included and accepted at the table and yeah. on what level was that explicitly handled or grown with over time like what does it mean in that context to be aware of those things and providing resources to the players yeah so let me first of all I'll mention this is Lake Washington Girls Middle School and it's a very progressive school okay. um, we're you know the, the mandate of the school, the mission of the school is really oriented around uh, social justice and inclusivity and because of that the girls are really uh, aware a lot, aware of those issues coming in come, before they even sit at the table, they've dealt with all that with their peers uh, to a great extent in terms of like making sure that other people feel included awesome. um, that's really at the forefront of their mind now, the, you know, maybe something that they're aware of may not be something that always gets applied so sure. we have to, like, we, true, we do true with grown-ups too yeah, exactly and so that's 
that made my job easier. And I'm, I'm going to be frank about that. Like, I've run public games since then in game stores with kids, and I, I approach those a little bit differently. Um, just laying out more expectations up front. Sure. Uh, I try to keep it pretty light. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, at the school, uh, when we have, you know, 30 middle schoolers, and, and it is a mix, everybody has different personalities. First of all, I don't randomly assign the groups. Mm-hmm. I decide mm-hmm. who plays mm-hmm. in what group. Second, I draw on the expertise of my dungeon masters, and I will often use the... I started off using the OGs, the original gamers, that for those first six girls. We talked about what the groups should be, and we talked about like who would be a good fit together, and they were really caring, they were really sensitive about it, and they really thought about who could who could work with whom. Like, this person's an introvert, this person is an extrovert, this person is really like talkative and needs to be drawn out, or this person needs to be drawn out more, and they, it was great. It was one of the best experiences I've had. They were so thoughtful. Um, I don't, uh, let's see. So, so we did that and we really like carefully kind of schemed and like brewed up these <laughs> groups. And then I re I, I mix them up from time to time. I don't let them run the whole year with the same people. I want them to have, you know, a chance to really experience what it's like with other, other folks as well. Mm-hmm. I also try to uh, test, you know, kind of just keep the temperature of the water and, and check on that every once in a while. Like how, what is this group like? And are they happy? And are they doing well? And what are the problems? We do have problems. I had, uh, for instance, you know, maybe one student who was getting talked over by her players Mm -hmm. and just like they weren't paying attention to her they weren't like maybe because she was younger Mm -hmm. and her players were older and so these are issues that are tricky to to deal with Um, so I I try to be present I try to monitor I try to listen to my students and and I try to I I also do set expectations we'll have circle time they they hate it they don't hate it but you know they're like I do surveys as well I'm like what do you love most about D&D Club what do you like least about it least thing that their least popular thing is always circle time sure where we sit together and I'm like okay you know I want us all to be thinking more about uh, listening rather than just talking mm-hmm. my goal is just to take to turn my experience inside out so that people can yeah. see it and learn from learn all the stuff I learned like Absolutely. here's all the mistakes I made yep right yep. and so I've done some YouTube videos about it I'm gonna keep doing some more cool uh, I did a summer camp as well I really want to do a YouTube video about the summer camp I ran the D&D summer camp Ooh, nice yeah, that was a whole crazy mess as well in a good, fun way. But That's great. Yeah, so Session Zero stuff, though, uh, in terms of expectations and safety mechanics, we'll say uh, if you get scared during a session, just like we'll do like no thank you evil kind of stuff. Again, going back to Monty Cook. Yeah. Um, but they have a good sense of yeah. what's too much. That's great. Uh, tell me a bit about uh, the stories that come out of this so you're starting without yeah. like deep character histories but like what is the connection over over time after right. one of the girls has been in a campaign for all what is this what are they connected to so i stole a lot from dcc dungeon crawl classics mm-hmm. by goodman games um it is a kind of an old school D feel role-playing game and in that game you start off uh, oftentimes with a zero level character and that's what I did so I have them start and actually zero level characters existed in the AD&D second edition yeah, as well totally um, that what I do is I, I have them start off with like sort of a like a bare bones commoner and we will roll up on a table like you are what what's your background are you a glass blower are you a blacksmith are you a librarian uh, with three books in your library like what are you and so we roll up like a background like that, and it's just a one-word description usually. And they'll have some sort of like tools of the trade. If you're a librarian, maybe you have a letter roller. Um, if you're a blacksmith, you've got a hammer. 
right? And that's your like your weapon, or your self defense tool, or your like utility mm-hmm. object. Um, you might have a, they have like a piece of chalk, they have soap, and they will find a use by the way for all sure. that stuff. Absolutely, which is great. And I really love to play it low like that, play it kind of low fantasy, yeah. because it it creates uh, an opportunity for them to be highly creative. Mm-hmm. If I said you have a plus one dagger. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to use that plus one dagger to kill stuff. Right. Yeah, and you're going to kill stuff with yeah, it, right? Exactly. If I say you have a piece of chalk, mm-hmm. you're going to figure out how to solve problems with that piece of chalk. And they will. And so the crazy stories that come out of having these random objects, first of all, is like, it's like creative problem solving. Yeah. You know, it's like a classic creative problem. Like, yeah. you are stuck in a room, yep. you have a piece of string, and, you know, the lights are out. What are you going to do? Like, they have those scenarios happen. That's great. And... So, so first of all, there's that kind of emergent storytelling that, that comes out of these very bare-bones backgrounds. And the what I didn't expect, but which I learned right away, is I, I asked them to come up with some very, like, give me, like, a paragraph, at least a sentence right. about your background. And you know what happened is they took that background, that one-word description, and they were like, well, I'm a blacksmith. My parents are blacksmiths. I, I got, like, pages and pages <laughs> of background story from these sure. girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, they're all orphans because... You're a middle school girl, you know. You're like, God, my parents. Um, And but they great backstory. Some of them are, you know, I'm related to this other character. They came up with it on their own for the most part, and that has really continued. So those types of emergent uh, back, like they love to write those background stories. Really cool. And I find like less is more in terms of the prompts that I give them. Um, I've kind of stuck with the low fantasy backgrounds. Mm Rather than give them like you know, Five E has a lot of kind of heroic stuff in it, which is great. Mm-hmm. But they love. I asked. So we went through this whole kind of demo dungeon. Not demo. It's not even the right term. It was a full dungeon for that first the first six girls that I ran with. And in that dungeon, they went through all the classic stuff. Here's a trap that you have to solve. Here's a puzzle. You have to puzzle yeah, yeah. out the riddle. Oh, it was great. They just <laughs> so good. It. So yeah. Fun. And they, you know, at the end of that dungeon, they found this hall. And it was the hall of a thousand doors. And at, at first, they actually thought I said the hall of a thousand dwarves. So they still refer to it as this. They, they were all imagining, like, a thousand dwarves in this hall have been waiting for you. I find that it would be a little creepy. But they, then they, they cottoned on. It's a thousand doors. And each door is a, a like, a future, it's like your pathway. And only one door is your door. And so they have to walk the hall, and a door opens for them. Mm-hmm. And that, that is their chance to graduate from zero level to first level. And, oh, it's great. It's we had, so good. We did a whole ceremony. Yeah. I gave them each a necklace. Uh, they still, to this day, all wear these necklaces. Uh, I, like, get a little teary when I, like, see them. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, you're still wearing that necklace. Yeah. That's, That's it's, really they, special. It's, yeah, it had deep meaning for them. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, it was not just... It was not just a moment of storytelling for their character. Yeah. It was a moment of storytelling for them. Yes. They, at the end of that that first session, and this has been true for the later groups as well, they gained and changed. They gained a new game. They gained a way of, of telling stories with their friends. They gained an activity that they have continued to play like over the summer. They're continuing to like meet up and play D&D together in these groups. So it's been amazing. It's I, I feel like I was able to give them 
uh, the thing that I got when I was a little boy growing up in Wisconsin. Because it was made for, like, D&D was, yeah. like, easy for me to get, yeah. right? Yeah. I was a little white boy in Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, right. I was, like, ground zero. <laughs> at the beginning, yeah. all of it. Like, here's all the marketing <laughs> that's directed at you. <laughs> right. And we're just down the road if you need anything. <laughs> And, cool. you know, so now it's this group of, thir- you know, 30, actually, like, all told in, I think we've had 42 girls go through that program, the D&D program at the school, including D&D class, which is like an actual class I taught based <laughs> around it. And that's like a third of the school. That's, that's... It's over a third of the school, actually. remarkable. Yeah. That's really, really... It's so interesting, too, to have that, because it's also the community, right? Like, yeah. the, just the shared, like, hey, we... I may not even know you, but you've got that necklace, and I've got this necklace, yeah. and like I know we've been through. Maybe we're, we're different cohorts or oh, something, yeah. but like that's another way know. that story emerged. Actually, is so cool. um, during wait, what was this now? This was during um, the D and D. It was D and D class and D and D club. At one point, so I was teaching uh, the D and D class during the day on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and this was like an academic class for for credit. Mm-hmm. We did more math, we did more writing, but we still played D&D all the time. And then I had the D&D club on Friday nights. And what I realized early on is that the girls were starting to talk, the girls in the class, who were not not in the club, by the way, they were talking with the club girls in the hallway. And I saw them forming these little, like, tight knots, and they would, like, stop talking when I got near, which is unusual in the school. First of all, like, we have a pretty high degree of trust between the teachers and the students. I mean, of course, there's always stuff that students aren't going to talk about. But... But I was like, what are you guys talking about? You're all my students here. I know that. Um, and finally, one of them was like, uh, is it okay that we're talking about the game outside of uh, class and club? And I was like, is it okay? By all means. And so I started to really feed them clues. And I would like feed, like, uh, I would have an NPC come into the game in the class, and it would have something related to the club, what the club was doing. Oh my gosh. They were like all over it. They were like starting to like trade information. Yeah. Yes. And, ah. and so it became this sort of meta narrative. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And it was, so the game, like, it, not only did they like have this cool sense of a larger world, mm-hmm. they would meet together in the hallway and tell each other stories. About what had happened yeah. with characters they knew about or had heard about. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, the final question I'm going to ask, it's kind of a, just a meta question, is sure. like, what have you heard? What feedback after all of this has happened? What are the things that you've heard from the girls to you about like, oh, this is what I learned or this is what I got out of this or this is how this experience has changed me? Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> a lot of things. Um, I've heard... Not just from the girls. So the girls will say things like that if you ask them. You know, they'll they'll tell you like, um, and with to a person, they have they have stuck with it and they've continued to play D and D and they play. Like I I see I will receive messages from parents saying like it's Friday night, my girls uh, just went over, they got the neighbor boy and they're teaching them how to play D and D, which is an inversion of sort of the traditional like gender role experience I had growing up, which is like maybe we'll you know find a, a girl in our class to teach D and D to. Um, that's been great. Like they, they're taking it, they own it, they have a sense of ownership of it. Um, which is, by the way, I just want to mention. Like I, I, I love other role playing games as well. I made the conscious choice to choose D and love D and D, and I also think it's the right choice mm-hmm. for a first game for a lot of students. Not just you know the rules are complicated, mm-hmm. but it's so popular and prevalent. I want 
I wanted my students to be able to hold their head up when they walked into now. You can walk into Barnes and Noble and buy D and D books. You know, I, w- I wanted them to be able to walk into that aisle and say like, "This is all mine." Yeah, you know, absolutely. That's important. And so they, you know, I get all these messages from from parents all the time about their their kids playing outside of school, and I also have parents who talk about like how it has changed how outgoing their student is um how con like con it's increased their confidence level talking to new people mm-hmm. um it has i had a girl who was not considered a writer by her other teachers mm-hmm. and just you know some students are writers it doesn't mean she was a bad writer doesn't mean she wasn't capable but it was not her thing um maybe they had to kind of draw it out of her sometimes uh D, she decided to dm and she wrote 30 pages of backstory and then she wrote like 20 pages of her adventure you know a classic world building dungeon master and it's like that's her forgotten realms you know so watch out ed yeah, you know, right? like she's she's got it for you, right? And and she's gonna keep doing that. And yeah. I, I know I can just see it. Like this yeah. is now her thing. She dungeon masters, she creates stories, and so it changed it changed everything for her. I very much identify with the joy that is just like oozing off of you as you speak, of like having this thing that was meaningful or creative or growth for you and just being able to like the gift of being able to watch other people cotton onto it and like from the beginning, separate yeah. from whatever baggage or whatever in the past, just to be able to like, this is lovely, and it's now my thing, and now yeah. I'm gonna go make it other people's thing. That's my favorite. It's so good. Yeah. So, uh, next time you are at a D and D girls club, tell them how much I uh, just I'm just proud of them, and I hope I, will. I hope that they have good adventures. Thank you, Jason. And uh, tell us a little for people who wanna follow you talk about this on twitter under a hashtag but let us know what other ways that people can find out about this or yeah other work so that you do. uh the the number one way to, if you ever want to get uh in touch with me or or follow the D club and and things that happen there uh follow me on twitter my handle is ethan schoonover it's e-t-h-a-n-s-c-h-o-o-n-o-v-e-r and at ethan schoonover is i just put everything under that the hashtag I usually tweet under when I'm talking about the D&D club is D&D girls. And that is D-N-D without the ampersand. Um, D&D girls also gets used, and I'm very happy about this, it now gets used by a lot of other people as well cool. to talk about their like either like, um, D&D clubs at, with girls specifically or women playing D&D. So I'm happy to see that hashtag out there, and I encourage people to follow it. Um, and those are the easiest ways. I have a YouTube channel. Um, I have a website, which is ethanschoonover.com. And most of this stuff, I think, is linked to from there. I'll probably be cleaning that up as well, and, and you'll be able to find other links there. But, yeah, just uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm, I'm happy to answer questions there. I'd love to post more information about this and, like, tips and, like, how to start this kind of club in your own school or library. Um, I was actually just at the American Library Association conference with Wizards of the Coast talking to librarians about this so i'm happy to share as much you know as i can about it make it public very cool well uh, i don't usually get to do this on my pod, pod podcasts but i'm going to shake your hand hey, since you're yeah. here with me it was yeah, so good you, to Jason. talk to you today great meeting you thank you so much for your time and uh we will see you in the realms thank you
You know, one other tidbit I loved from this interview was Ethan's comment about starting his players off at level zero with a letter opener. My earliest D&D memories, second edition AD&D, a high elf rogue named Kendar, if you're keeping track, were played very much in this vein. And I have a fondness there for the intense progression you get to feel as you move from the common life to being competent and then heroic as you level those first few times. Most of the Cypher system, or Invisible Sun games I run these days, come from a sort of rules-light, indie, player-and-story-first philosophy, in which I'm pretty likely to say to a player, sure, it seems reasonable that you, an experienced delve, packed a coil of rope before exploring this dark cave. Now let's find out what's at the bottom. But I also very much appreciate the good stories that might arise when a character needs to figure out what to do when they've got only a length of string, a horseshoe, and their wits to go on. It's all in the type of story you and your players are looking for. Well, it was so nice to spend an evening with you all once again. I hope in some tiny way this visit to the cellar could help you, as they say, matarasadajis, kill the longings. Moanoichi, amados. Audio design for The Secret Cellar is by Casey Ross. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games, with whom Zeros.Bar and The Secret Cellar are unaffiliated. May you find freedom, my friends, from Shadow. do you like playing games a lot yeah do you like telling stories what kinds of stories do you like to tell stories like stories about stars and stories about deers and stories about cheetahs stars and deers and cheetahs oh those sound like wonderful stories can you tell me a story about a star uh, but mine are kind of different than how and Mama and Papa tell them. That's okay. They're your stories. I love your stories. Yeah. It's good that they're different.